0: Hi everyone and welcome to the ESPN NBA Finals Media Conference Call. I want to thank everyone for joining today. As you all know, the NBA Finals begin with Game 1 on Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern. The entire series is exclusively available on ABC. Uh, this is the first time, t- uh, time rather, in major American pro sports that the same two teams will collide for a championship for the fourth consecutive time, the Golden State Warriors meet the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is the 16th consecutive year that ESPN has produced the finals on ABC. We'll be issuing our detailed coverage plans this afternoon in a press release. It will include commentator assignments for our game and studio coverage and information about Kobe Bryant's show detail on ESPN+. The NBA Finals is also available on ESPN Radio, ESPN Deportes, and every game will stream via the ESPN app. On the call today, we have Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, our NBA Finals analysts. Thank you both for being here. We have a a few numbers to share with everybody today. Jeff is entering his 12th NBA Finals, while Mark is entering his 10th. Uh, they have called more NBA Finals on TV than any other analyst. Jeff and Mark will join the voice of the NBA Finals, Mike Breen, who is calling his record 13th Finals, and Doris Burke will complete the quartet. The group as a whole is entering their ninth Finals together, so quite the accomplishments all around. With that, we're going to get right into your questions. I just a uh, quick reminder that a transcript and a replay of today's call will be available on ESPN Media Zone and will be.
1: Hi, Ryan. This is the operator. Hold your line privately. Can you hear me? Hi, Ryan. Are you on the call?
2: Ryan, this is the operator. Can you hear me?
3: way anyway, What does it say about their style of play and about specifically the, the play of James Harden in, in these critical games, if anything? Well, this is Mark, and um, to me it says that they're right there. Um, uh, they've had a great season, uh, an incredible coaching job done by Mike D'Antoni, MVP uh, season for James Harden, um, the, the outstanding supporting cast, Chris Paul's success in the playoffs. I think overall they have a lot to be proud of and, uh, certainly put themselves in position to have a extremely bright future moving forward. It's awfully tough to beat the, uh, the Golden State Warriors. They're champions for a reason. They have no quit. So I think it's more of a testament to who they are as opposed to anything negative to say about the Houston Rockets. It's been a great, great year for them.
4: And this, Jeff, uh, I think when you take into account Chris Paul's injury, uh, missing 27 uh, threes in a row, um, having a couple blatant foul, shooting, three-point shooting foul calls missed in the first half, um, you, you couple all those Together and, and they still were up double digits um, in both games in the first half. It shows you, you know, that they're really good. And uh, um, and it's not like Houston; uh, their style is much different than uh, Golden State's in the fact that both rely on the three-point shot. One team shot, uh, you know, seven for forty-four. Uh, one shot 16 for 39. So, um, oftentimes it comes down to making. And, uh, I think you, you do see the three point, uh, field goal percentage go down. Both teams who lost at home in the seventh game, you know, they shot a combined 14, I think, for 83 in those two home games. And, uh, that's a challenge to overcome.
0: Have any more. Thank you, David. Let's go to Neil Best with Newsday. Oh, go ahead. Do you have a follow-up, no. David? All right, let's go to Neil Best with Newsday, followed by Brian Mahoney with Associated Press.
3: Uh, for uh, Mark and for Jeff, I mean, uh, you know, bookmakers and I suppose most neutral fans give the Cavaliers almost zero chance. What what do they have to do to have a legitimate chance? What's what's the scenario for them to have a legitimate chance to win this series?
4: Well, it's Jeff. Um, I think you saw it last night. It's really difficult to play a slower player uh, if you're going to switch pick and roll. So Ryan Anderson in eight minutes – wasn't a minus 12 because he's switching on to Curry. And, you know, that's a that's a challenging matchup for a guard, let alone uh, a slower big. Um, so I think, you know, Cleveland, uh, they have to make sure, you know, rotation-wise that they don't comply, uh, compromise their lateral quickness. Um, obviously, James is going to have to be great. And just like the three-point shot was a detriment to both Boston and Houston in their Game Seven victories, uh, I think they're gonna, you know, they're gonna have to be lights out um, from the three-point line uh, to have a chance to win a game. But this is the biggest uh, difference uh, that I remember between two teams heading into the finals um, in in my time in the NBA. I can't, I can't think of a, a bigger gap
3: from a team perspective. And this is Mark. I think um I'm not going to say 0% chance they have the best play in the world, but to me, clearly the Golden State Warriors are the favorite in the NBA Finals. With that being said, you're Cleveland. Uh, one thing about Houston, you know, the majority of the series they did a very good job defensively following game plan discipline. The Warriors will make you pay the price for making mistakes. So if you are to have any chance of beating them at all, uh you have to make sure that defensively, you're on one accord. Um, but, you know, they're clearly the favorite without question, uh, but the luxury of having the best play in the world uh, in that situation, anything can happen.
1: Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you, Neil. Let's go to Brian Mahoney with the Associated Press, followed by Gary Peterson with the San Jose Mercury News Group.
2: All right, thanks. Um, given what you guys just said about, you know, Cleveland's chances, uh, you know, would you like to see somehow if they can figure out a way to change the format around? Uh, I know, Jeff, you said earlier in the year that, you know, you would consider, you know, the, whoever won the West you thought was going to be the NBA champion, and that's obviously not changed. Uh, would you like to see if there's a way somehow they can make it so two West teams could play for the title?
4: Um, I Listen, I'm for the best teams meeting uh, in the final. I'd be fine with if they play, played the conferences for travel purposes through the year, um, to minimize how many times you'd have to go cross-country. Uh, but I've I, always been for the top 16 records should be in the playoffs, and I would be absolutely fine if you then seeded, you know, one through 16 regardless of, Uh, what conference you played in during the regular season. Uh, You know, there's no... We're all going to try to paint a picture of there's a chance that Cleveland could win. And when you get to the finals, and that's really, really hard to picture in in your own mind how a team could win, um, it's it's a, a letdown. You know, to me... Houston wasn't just one uh, half away from uh, advancing to the finals. They were one half away from winning a championship. and uh, So it'll be interesting to see how competitive LeBron uh, James can make this finals. But uh, any game they get in this finals would be a huge upset to me. So um, I think it's – I would love to see it go to – a one-through-16 seeded uh, scenario.
3: And this, is, and this is Mark, and I'm an old-school guy. Um, I would probably prefer it to remain the way that it is because at the end of the day, it plays itself out. There was times when the Eastern Conference were, was dominant, and, and now we're going through a process where the West, led by the Warriors, are obviously uh, more dominant. Uh, I, I, I'm, I think that they're clearly the favorite, Clearly. And I think it would be a major upset if the Cleveland Cavaliers were to win the NBA championship. But that being said, I think we're not giving the Cavs and Ty Lue, LeBron James, and the supporting Cavs enough credit. They marched through the Eastern Conference. I'm not so sure that they're not the second-best team in the business. Um, And and we'll see how it plays out. At the end of the day, uh, these are the two teams standing, rightfully so. And I think it makes for a great story fighting each other for the fourth consecutive year.
0: Thank you. Let's go to Gary Peterson with the San Jose Mercury News, followed by George Thomas with the Akron Beacon Journal.
2: Um, Hypothetical, well, semi-hypothetical question for the coaches. Um, Assume you're coaching a team that, for whatever reason, just comes out of the halftime locker room like gangbusters and overcomes every deficit and just plays phenomenally. Are you at all concerned that they might drift into a mindset that they can coast as long as they want to, uh, knowing that they or thinking they could turn it on at the drop of a hat?
3: Well, this is Mark, and I think you would be concerned about that, and I'm sure that Steve Kerr uh, is preaching the same message that they can't continue to fall into these traps where they find themselves down at halftime uh, to the point where they have to turn it on and play with a sense of urgency and climb back into their credit. They do have that in their arsenal where they have the ability to make the proper adjustments, regroup, not panic, and then take care of business. But what you don't want as a a coach and what you don't want as a player is to continue to dig yourselves in those type of holes because at some point, whether it be – during that season or four seasons later or whenever it's going to get you. Uh so I'm I'm sure that's the right message to be preached and uh fortunately they have superior talent where they've been able to to win these ball games. Jeff
4: absolutely it would be a concern. Um it's uh I I think Houston defensively as Mark mentioned earlier was uh so good for so much of this series that they made it really difficult, Uh, and it's hard to get up double figures on Golden State without your second best player. I mean, that they did it two games in a row, had a 17-point lead in Game 6, a 15-point lead in Game 7 in the first halves, Uh, I think speaks to how good Houston is, but the ability to uh, overcome a tough start and as Mark said, with superior talent and shooting and abilities uh, to figure it out, two consecutive games is a credit to Golden State. And I'm sure the leadership of the team, uh, the coaches and the best players, um, are going to try to figure out before the finals what's plaguing them uh, in some of these starts.
0: Thank you, Gary. Let's go to George Thomas with the Akron Beacon Journal, followed by Benjamin Hoffman of the New York Times.
4: Um, after the Cavaliers clinched uh, the Eastern Conference Championship the other night, was it necessary for LeBron James to defend his teammates the way he did in, in that press, post-game press conference?
3: Well, this is Jeff. Mark.
4: Oh, go ahead, Mark. Go ahead, no, go ahead. All right. All um, right. I don't know if it was necessary. I'm sure it was appreciated. I don't see it as uh, the way he he sees it. I don't see it as his teammates getting run down. Um, I think what people who don't have an affiliation with their team is saying is that it's an an, uh, impressive accomplishment for a team led by James uh, to have made it back to the finals when you look at the trade of Kyrie Irving, uh, and Kevin Love then being out. Two of their top three players from last year, uh, for them not – Kevin Love wasn't uh, particularly effective in the Boston series prior to his injury, but for them to win, with him being out the last two games, Irving trade uh, that really, in the series, you know, Larry Nance played a a good role in one game, as did Clarkson – George Hill played better the last two games, uh, but I think it's not running them down. It's it's speaking to what they overcame, and what a great accomplishment it is for James and his teammates. Uh, when you say that they're they're not a, a a superior talented team, you can take that as a slight, or you can say that uh, they did they found ways to win, which is a skill unto itself. And uh, I have great admiration for that team, not just James, coaching staff and the rest of the players, that uh, I don't believe they, they were the best team, but they, they won. They found ways to win, and that's a, a terrific accomplishment.
3: And this is Mark. Uh, I, I totally agree with everything the Coach just finished saying. Uh, I think it was somewhat necessary for LeBron to make that statement Um, and rightfully so. The reason why he's showing as all the love is pouring to him and his greatness, and rightfully so, he is showing an appreciation for the things that his teammates and his coaching staff has been able to do to put him in position to go to his eight straight finals. So it was the right decision by him, but it's also the right decision by us that are covering and have the ability to cover and witness what's taking place. Um, as far as the supporting cast. There's no knock to them, but it's just speaking the facts. They have done a great job of putting themselves in position to go to the finals. Thank you. Thank you. This
0: is ESPN's NBA Finals media conference call with Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. Let's continue with Benjamin Hoffman from the New York Times, followed by Logan Murdoch with the San Jose Mercury News.
1: Hi, guys. Uh, So the Warriors still use the strength in numbers uh, catchphrase on a lot of things, and and that was certainly true of their 2015 team. And it's not like they have a – a lack of talent now, but it seems like anytime they get away from their, their core five guys, things fall apart a little bit. Iguadala goes out. Suddenly things aren't working as well. They go to their bench. They don't seem to have that reliable bench that they, that they had at one point in this run. So with all these third quarter, explosions, how much of it is halftime adjustments and how much of it is being able to sort of reset their rotation back to their core guys and maybe get some rest for Steph uh, so he has a physical reset? And then sort of a second part to that is how big of a lead do you think the Cavs would need to have at a halftime for you to think the game's actually over?
4: Well, this is Jeff. I I think the – I always laughed at the strength in numbers uh, thing. I, I always said strength in stars. Um, you know, they, their star quality has always been, you know, terrific. And uh, when they added Durant, it became off the chart. Their their roster construction this year is a little bit uh, top-heavy when it comes to centers. Uh, I, I think the injury to McCaw and to... Iguodala uh, uh, furthered that uh, concern, and uh, you know, so that they just didn't have the numbers of perimeter players. Um, I I don't look at rest as a as a major thing. After teams lose or struggle, I think the media right now uh, they instantly go to fatigue as an excuse versus. You know, the other team is trying hard, too, and they got really good players. Um, so uh, I just don't I, – I think because of their injuries right now, they're just not as deep perimeter-wise. And I'm going to be interested to see, uh, from a center standpoint, uh, do they go back to playing um, different centers, uh, Especially if Tristan Thompson continues to start, you know, they go back to a McGee or somebody like that, or do they just stick with, you know, Looney, and uh, and stay smaller and quicker? I'll be interested in that.
3: And this is Mark Um, to answer your question. I don't think it's a rest factor at all. And at the end of the day, when you look at what Houston was able to do in Game Six and Seven, being up huge. In the first half, it wasn't because of resting their star players. They were thoroughly outplayed and at times uh, had a lack of discipline. I think in the, at halftime they made the adjustments, came out and played much better, and uh, that's the difference. When Steve Kerr says at the end of the first quarter that was awful basketball, he's not referring to the second unit. He's referring to the entire group that's been on the floor. Uh, they're not as deep as they've been and I'm in agreement with Coach that it's top-heavy. When you have it, put you in position to, to, to mix and match, keeping those guys on the floor. So uh, it will be very interesting to see the rotations that take place, whether they start a big or or, or, or who plays, or, or the rotations that Steve Kerr decides to go with uh, in trying to match uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers because they're a different team than the Houston Rockets.
0: Thank you. Let's go to Logan Murdoch with the San Jose Mercury News, followed by Phil Rosenthal with the Chicago Tribune.
2: Uh, hey, Coach, this is uh, Logan.
0: I was, this is a question for uh, Mark Jackson. Um,
2: you were uh, you got Draymond early in his career, and you know I, this is my first year on the on the beat. But it, it seems like he's a. Um, uh, they they talk about uh, earlier in this year about his mind and how he can you know remember a whole bunch of different things at, at one moment and how that's been, you know, really helpful for, you know, both the team offensively and defensively. What did, did you see did you see that early on with him and, you know, how did that help you uh as a coach when you were when you were coaching him?
3: Well, to their credit, it wasn't just Draymond. I mean, we, they have a bunch of guys that are uh, high IQ guys that have the ability to, you know, recognize situations, plays, um and, and make adjustments and communicate their way through it. I mean, even if you look at a guy like, like David Lee, they were outstanding at, at being students of the game, understanding the game. The one thing about Draymond from day one, he was a leader. And that is something that was, was lacking with, with, uh, with the team. Uh, somebody that would speak up and be vocal. And, um, uh, at that time, you know, we had great leaders as far as their abilities but not in the locker room, and he was a difference maker from day one as far as that was concerned. It was a perfect situation for him, and he blossomed in, in the role.
0: Thank you. Let's go to Phil Rosenthal with the Chicago Tribune, followed by Justin Terranova with the New York Post.
3: So... um How different is this final going to be
2: than if it had been, say, Boston and Houston?
4: Well, this Jeff. I I think no matter who came out of the West and who came out of the East, the Western Conference uh, winner would have been the prohibitive favorite. I mean, um, for many different reasons. But, uh, you know... Boston had a tremendous year. They've got a tremendous future because of their young players, their draft choices. Um, They've got a lot of uh, huge upside. And then, uh, you know, Houston, like I said before, to me they were one half away from winning a championship because um, even with the Paul injury, I think they would have, won in the finals, uh, no matter who they play, coming out of the East. So um, It's going to be, uh, you know, it's the it's same old, same old, but Cleveland's so different than they have been in the past that it's really, I mean, it's going to have the Cavaliers' name on it, on their jerseys, but the, the different teams, the four different teams uh, that James has brought to the finals these last four years are all so very different.
3: And this is mark I think it it would have been different because you know you got uh guys that would have been champions for the first time uh if it would have been Houston and Boston um it would have been tremendous stories all throughout the the uh the finals uh recognition of coaches, recognition of players, and appreciation for the long hard you know struggle to get to this level and then to finally get there, but at the same time. I think even though with these two teams it seems like we've seen that movie before, the difference is uh, you have guys on both of these teams that are locked Hall of Famers, and they're chasing guys in that special room. Um, and that's, that's the difference. Um, and that's to be appreciated and recognized, in my opinion. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Let's continue with Justin Terranova from the New York Post, followed by Chuck Barney from the Bay Area News Group.
1: Is there there a way you guys have to approach this from a a game perspective uh, in in terms of, uh, you know, talking points? Because some of the uh, things about these teams are so similar this year.
3: Well, this is Mark. And I think you come in with, with points that you're thinking about and you're watching, but at the same time, our job is to tell the story. So the story will uh, be on full display, and we will try to accurately describe the action and tell the stories. And the, the luxury that Jeff and I and Doris have, we're working with who we believe is the best in the business, and Mike Green, who should be in the Hall of Fame right now without question. And he does an incredible job of uh, leading us and being our point guard. Um, And for me,
4: yeah, I mean, it's uh, obviously the the coverage is going to be star-driven, like it always is. So we're going to tell the same stories about James and Durant and Curry that some may be just hearing for the first time and others may be sick of hearing. But uh um and as Mark said, the the beauty of it for us is we can just talk about what's going on you know, during the game and uh I echo what he says about Mike. I, I didn't realize um he had not been put in to the Hall of Fame uh yet, either as a um I don't know what you call it, a gouty uh Kurt Gowdy uh, winner, the media award, or just being put in. I mean, this is a guy that uh, has given his professional life to basketball at the highest level, uh, and does it with a uh, you know class and integrity um, that should be recognized.
3: Thanks,
0: guys. Thank you. I think we all agree with both of your sentiments. Let's go to Chuck Barney with Bay Area News Group, uh, followed by uh, Stefan Bondi with the New York Daily News.
2: Hey there. Uh, hey there. You guys have touched on this a little bit, but uh, after last night's game, I, I go online and I'm immediately seeing reactions like, oh, ho hum, four times in a row. These reruns, same story, blah, blah, blah. So I'm just wondering. I know you guys aren't in the marketing department, but how do you sell this thing, you know, coming out of the gates uh, and get people excited about this? What what do you say to people that are saying, oh, my God, here we go again?
4: Well, this is Jeff. I I don't think it's up to us to try to excite people. The games will either excite people. The results will either excite people. You know, if if James and the Cavaliers win game one, you know, the interest is going to skyrocket because
5: Mm -hmm.
4: they're going to have done uh, what they, uh, very few except for them maybe, think they can do, which is win in Golden State. Uh, If they get blown out both games, it doesn't matter what we say, um, (laughs) you know, people aren't going to be as excited. So to me, it's all about, it's not about what we say, it's about what happens on the floor and the results that the teams get and if it's a competitive series, uh, it's going to be great for the NBA uh, because one, obviously, it's the finals, but two, I think it's going to be an unexpected competitive series if it is truly competitive.
3: And this is Mark. <clears throat> I agree with everything Coach just said.
2: Okay, can I follow that up real quick? Uh, just you should, what do you you think should just, just say could... that all the time. By the way,
5: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: think he should. Um, do you think this is good for the league to, for to see this four times, or, or would it have been better for the league to have the Rockets or the Celtics in there?
3: Well, this is Mark, and I think it's it's great for the league to have the two best teams uh, make it to the finals, and that's what took place. The two best teams in you know respective uh, conferences are representing them, and and i think it's great when you look at that warriors team full with you know great great players and a great coach and uh, able to accomplish what they've been able to accomplish and you look on the other side with a, a great coach all-time and all-time great player and uh it's a tremendous story so i think it's it's awesome for the league to have uh, tremendous star power on the biggest brightest stage okay thank you yeah, that is Jeff. I agree. It's just you know, it's
4: when if you, if LeBron James being in the finals is never bad for business, and obviously the Warriors are, uh, you know, such a uh, a team of superior talent that Durant, Curry, Thompson, you know, they're going to always be a big draw. So. Um, I think it's up to other teams. If, if, if we want to see a different finals, uh, you know, then we got to have other teams, you know, win, or uh, we got to set up a different system and not make it Eastern Conference and Western Conference, but make it uh, based upon the records.
2: Okay, thank you.
4: Thank you.
0: Let's continue with Stephen Bondy from the New York Daily News, followed by Brian Lewis with the New York Post.
2: Uh, hey, um, this is a little off topic. Well, it's largely off topic, so I apologize. But, Mark, you uh, obviously were a candidate for the Knicks job. Um, I was just wondering if you could share your thoughts about what it was like to interview for your hometown team and what you see from the Knicks that you could have helped help with.
3: No, you know, the only thing for me, appreciate the question. They have an outstanding coach in Fisdale, uh, uh, quality guys, class guys running it, and, and, and Steve and Scott, um, and I wish them nothing but the very best. It was a heck of an opportunity, and um wish them nothing but the very best. All
2: right. You, you don't want to expand on it at all?
3: What the no, no, I just like. expanded. I'm not trying to be a oh, jerk. Good. I got you. No, that, that oh. does nothing. You know, that does nothing with all due respect. No, thank you. Thank you. Let's, let's go to Brian Lewis with the New
0: York Post, uh, followed by Charles Hallman with the Minnesota Spokesman Recorder. Brian.
4: Hey, Mark, how you doing? Uh Mr. Bondi uh, snatched my question, so I'm going to pivot a little bit. I- I'm curious to both of you what, um, if there are any things that you feel that, Houston, that
2: Cleveland can take that they could have learned watching Houston in the series. Understanding it's a completely different roster, but are there any things that they could take and put into action that they would have learned from watching the Western Conference final?
3: Well, this is Mark, and um, I think any time you defend it and were disciplined and didn't make mistakes, you give yourself a chance. And that took place in the Houston series. When they were not and they did not take care of the basketball, you can forget about even having a chance. But to me, the first thing you have to do is be disciplined defensively, be tied together and then offensively, you must take care of the ball because that is a, a tremendous offensive team that will make you pay the price when you make mistakes.
4: And I think Cleveland, uh, with all the switching that Golden State does as well, like you've got to put out guys who can make plays off the dribble. Uh, that's a challenge. Um, to Mark's point about defensively against them, uh, I think you have to... Try to play your fastest, toughest, smartest guys, whoever they are, because the challenges individually are absolutely overwhelming, and you're gonna—they put you in different situations. Uh, if you're not, if you're if you're not a smart group out on the floor, you're gonna make mistakes. So I'm I'm really interested to see who they play, how many they play. And in what combinations they play them, uh, because again, th- these are going to have to be, uh, lower scoring games, um, for me, for me to believe Cleveland can win. They're going to have to, you know, be in the 90s, uh, because I just don't think Cleveland has the firepower to, to win shootouts. And so, um, going to have to be, you know, grinded out games where the tempo is controlled, and to do that, you've got to have smart, tough guys on the floor.
0: Thank you. You're listening to the ESPN NBA Finals Media Conference Call with Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. Uh, just a few more uh, questions here. We'll go with Charles Hallman with the Minnesota Spokesman Recorder, followed by Justin Demeglio with NBC Sports Boston.
2: Uh, Yes, thank you for for both of you to be on this call. Can y'all just speak briefly about your place in
5: broadcasting history during these finals? And secondly, what untold storylines that you see coming out of of the finals that hasn't been talked or asked about that you think should be talked about?
4: Uh, Well, this is Jeff. Um, I think... um, when you're going into a second occupation, uh, like I did uh, with broadcasting, sort of stumbled into it, and uh, I think it's more about the people you work with. Uh, I really enjoy the people I work with, not just Mike, Mark, and Doris, who you know I know uh, so very well from my past, but uh, you know Tim Corrigan, uh, our producer, is. Uh, a dear friend, now as some of the others on the on the team, uh, so I think that's interesting. Uh, it's just a privilege to be able to get paid to watch basketball, actually, and talk about it. Um, and what was the second part of your question? I forgot. I drew a blank.
2: The second part was the, about
4: uh,
5: any untold or untalked about storylines oh, that you see sto- coming out this.
4: Yeah. Um, to me. How much uh, switching one through five, uh, to me, the game became, uh, the switching made everything about one-on-one basketball. How little post-play is prevalent in the game. I think a lot of these guys, because of the switching, are going to have to work on their post-games because um, you have to be able to punish smaller players uh, for switching, either on the offensive board or just being able to shoot a basic jump hook. It was absolutely uh, appalling at how little game some of these bigs have uh, when guarded by a small player. Um, I think all teams in their player development uh, programs are going to have to add that part back into the game to be able to take advantage of some of these switches. And then I think um we talk a lot about head coaches. I would like to see more on uh the other uh on the assistant coaches um because they do a lot of the actual work and get very little uh attention. I would love to see somebody do an in depth piece on the assistant coaches
3: and uh <clears throat> this is mark um I agree with everything Jeff said as far as you know, the, the privilege, the honor to be able to, you know, be on the call, uh, calling a finals. I was a kid, you know, dreaming of being a coach, dreaming of being a player, dreaming of being an announcer and to have the, the privilege and the blessing to be able to do that. And on top of that, work with people that, like I said, are friends for a long time now. Uh, it's, it's, it's a dream come true. And Jeff talked about Tim Corrigan. Who is, in my opinion, in both of our opinions the best in the business, his calming effect, his professionalism uh, has an impact on all of us uh, and, and we're grateful for that um, to answer the second part of your question, I agree again with Jeff and I think you know Ty Lute did an outstanding job of in the initial press conference the first thing one of the first things he did was shouted out his entire staff, recognizing that um if it wasn't for those guys, they don't make it to four straight finals. Uh, and, and the thing I love about it, and it's refreshing, those guys aren't beating their own drum. They are they are not blowing their own horns. They're not doing fake hustle stuff and pieces being done on them to make them, you know, bigger than they are. Those guys just go about their business. They do the job. And uh, I was I was uh, appreciative of how how grateful Ty Lu was to them at. You know, a big-time moment for him, shouting them out. And uh, both of these teams deserve a lot of credit for their staffs and the jobs that they've been able to do. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Charles. Let's go to Justin Demeglio with NBC Sports Boston, followed by Mike Voikinov with The Athletic. Justin, are you there? Okay, let's go to Mike with The Athletic, followed by Steve Lieberman with the Culver City Observer. Mike Vojkinov with The Athletic. Are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. Oh,
5: uh, yep, I, I got gotcha. you.
0: Gotcha. Okay, uh, this is for,
1: for Jeff. Um, everyone last night was watching, you know, the Rockets Miss. 27 threes in a row and shoot themselves out of that. Um, You were, I think, on the bench for the Knicks in the
0: 94 finals as John Starks had that, um, you know, that rough two of 18 night. And I'm just wondering when you're in the the team infrastructure and you're watching, you know, whether it be the entire team or someone in particular have a rough shooting night like that,
5: um, what what is it like to see up close and to see them and to go through it?
4: Well, I think uh, the first thing is, that as a coach, you always second-guess yourself after the fact because uh, I was insistent on that. And uh, I, I read um, many years later that Pat Riley um, still beat himself up over the decision to keep playing John. And, and I, told, I I immediately called him and told him I totally disagree with that. Um, I think we'd you'd kick yourself if you took out the guy who you knew could make in a heartbeat who was a great competitor um, and had the chance in any six-minute stretch to get it going. And so um, your belief in them doesn't change. You, you know, you read a lot after the fact uh, where critics say, well, the three wasn't going, do something else. But um, to me, the player has to play to his strengths and play his game and play his role, and it's up to the coach. If he feels the misses are affecting your team negatively, and he has a better option, it's his job to substitute. And so, last night, uh, uh, really game seven in uh, Boston, I felt for both Smart and Rozier uh, having you know just awful nights shooting the ball. I felt the same way for Ariza last night. Ariza, I don't know well, but I I know him somewhat have so much respect for him as a competitor, a player, and a person. Um, And you hate to see uh, one person shoulder uh, the blame for a bad shooting night when there was a lot of things uh, that he did so very well this year. They would have never been in this position to advance uh, if he hadn't played so well. So um, from Stark's perspective, Uh, I always admired how John handled it head-on, didn't run from it. uh, And uh, as assistant coach and his teammates, uh, we never regretted Coach Riley's decision to leave him in because to this day I still believe that gave us our best chance to win.
5: Thanks, Jeff.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. Let's go to Steve Lieberman with the Culver City Observer.
5: Okay, this question is for both of you. Uh, it seems like uh, Kevin Durant is overshadowed by LeBron James and everybody in the league, is player in the league is overshadowed by LeBron James. So first, um, it's kind of a two-part question. Can you talk about how, how great Kevin Durant is um, his offensive abilities and his defensive abilities, and also, uh, I know this has t- been talked about a lot. But uh, there's been a comparison between Kobe and Michael Jordan, and now LeBron James is in there. But who, would, who, in your opinions, and why would, is the, Would you would you say is the, is the best player in the history of the of the NBA, and would it be maybe some other player besides those three?
4: Oh, this is Jeff. Um, just because LeBron James is talked about in uh, such glowing terms as a player does not detract at all from what Kevin Durant has done uh, as a player in his time in the NBA. Uh, his offensive talents are, uh, at his size, are just absolutely overwhelming. Uh, the ability to make tough shots, or actually bad shots, we saw. Oftentimes last night, just absolutely 9-1-1 bailout shots that he's able to drain. Uh, the long two in front of the Rockets bench, the three off the dribble, uh, just absolute daggers. So um, I don't think he gets overshadowed at all. I think, you know, everybody respects Durant, his love of the game. I think also his improvement His handle's improved dramatically. His passing has improved. Defensively, he's gotten much better. So, uh, yeah, I think everybody really respects him. And as far as who's the best, uh, to me, there's two different questions within that. Who would you take to win one game, Uh, you know, quote, the best player that you've ever seen, and who's carved out the best career? And as far as LeBron James, to me, he's on his way to carving out the very best career that's ever happened in the NBA. And right now, I think the very best career that's ever happened in the NBA is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, uh, what he, the standard he set uh, after so, you know, right off the bat, winning a championship, MVP in his rookie year, all the way through um, all the records he set. I think oftentimes because we're about the present. Uh, We forget about his greatness and uh, absolute dominant force with the most indefensible shot uh, maybe in NBA history in the skyhook. I think he gets overlooked uh, far, far too much.
3: And this is Mark uh, answering about Durant. Uh, The guy will go down as an all-time great. He's an incredible scorer who's been able to score from day one questions earlier on was about his size and and people said lack of strength. He has proven those doubters wrong. Um, He's a champion and played a star role at winning the championship. Um, There's no question about his greatness, and I think he doesn't get overlooked. People give LeBron the credit he rightfully deserves, and at the same time, you can have an appreciation for Kevin Durant and what he's been able to do. Uh, I'm in agreement with Coach for what he said. I thought he put it as good as, as well as it could possibly be put. It's two different topics, two different discussions. And in my, in my opinion, it's two totally different answers if you put it that way. But there are guys that we continue to overlook. Um, when you talk about all time greats, uh, obviously you mentioned the guys today. Um, we obviously know Michael. We know Kareem. We know Wilt. Uh, it's, 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 there's no wrong answer, but there are truly, uh, all-time greats that we're witnessing today and a LeBron in particular, who's putting himself in discussion for anybody that's ever played. Do I have
5: time Thank for a follow-up? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just thinking, um, the, the person the the player that might be the hardest to defend uh, w- would you say that that D- durant is up there with with the greatest and uh who who else would you say in the history um, has been the hardest to defend?
3: Well, this is mark, and I think you can put you know several guys in that discussion. When you talk about Michael Jordan and what he's been able to do, or was able to do for all those years, um, just absolutely unstoppable. Uh, Kareem with the one shot that nobody had an answer for. Uh, Wilt scoring a hundred and averaging fifty and twenty-five. Shaq and his dominance, Kobe and his dominance, LeBron and his dominance. So, so you can go on and on and on. I, I don't. I think it would be unfair to pick one guy. Uh, But there are certainly, you know, a group of guys that there was no answer for.
4: Yeah, and and for me, uh, it's a difference between inside players and perimeter players. Um, I think everybody would agree that Kareem was impossible to defend. And then, you know, Jordan... I still just marvel at, you know, people talk numbers, but if you actually saw him, and the rules were so much better for the defense back then, how much contact, um, you know, how much little lesser shooting was on the floor, so there wasn't as much space. I have no no doubt that he was the best individual offensive player from the perimeter position that I have ever seen, and I think ever will see, in my time in the NBA.
0: Thank you, Steve, and we're going to finish off with Barry Janoff from New York Sports Journalism. Barry, are you still on the line? All right, we're going to call it there. I want to thank the members of the media who joined today once again. Thank you to Mark and Jeff. Uh, look out for a transcript and audio replay of today's media conference call and uh, our press release announcing the company's full coverage plans for this terrific event. Thank you again. Have a good day.